0: You are listening to Agency Work, the podcast that provides career advice for people who want to work at a creative agency. I'm your host, Parker Placed. Today I'm talking with Brian Ellis from Padilla. Padilla is a PR and communications agency with six offices across the United States. Brian is based in the Richmond, Virginia office. Brian has a Bachelor of Science degree in broadcast journalism from the University of Florida. And he started his career as a television reporter, anchor, and producer. After a decade of working in television, Brian switched to a career in public relations and communications, where he's been on the front lines of crisis planning and management for more than 25 years. He has been involved in nearly every type of critical issue that has the potential to damage a brand, and he advocates advanced preparation as the best way to protect organizations and their reputations. Brian is currently the strategic leader of Padilla's Crisis Management and Executive Training Consultancy, helping clients manage major issues worldwide. Brian, welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here. And go Gators, right? Go Gators. Go Gators. (laughs) Our conversation today will focus on crisis management, but before we get into that, please tell us more about the range of services that Padilla provides to its clients.
1: Padilla is a full-service agency from a communications perspective. So we do a lot of work with uh, healthcare care systems. We do a lot of work with uh, food uh, companies and food organizations. We do a lot of work in corporate communications uh, that range everything from branding uh, to traditional public relations, communications, internal uh, kinds of issues, mergers and acquisitions. So a wide variety on top of the crisis uh, that we're here to talk about today.
0: So, Brian, thank you for that overview of Padilla,
1: and give us a little more insight onto your specific area of Padilla where you work. So the, the crisis consultancy is really all about trying to help clients do a couple of things. One, get prepared. You know, many people don't recognize the fact that they really know most of the issues that their company could face. They simply don't understand or don't spend the time to get ready. To manage those issues. So we spend a lot of time with clients trying to help them understand the risks and the threats that their business faces, and then giving them the advice and counsel on how to get better prepared to manage those situations, which includes things like training and crisis plans and so forth. The other part of our business is really about responding. So a client may call us up right now on the phone and say, hey, we have this issue brewing, we need help immediately, and we'll have feet on the ground. Uh, We'll have people that sometimes will go directly to the client and offer guidance and assistance. We're traditionally working with senior leadership, CEO, COO uh, level, legal counsel, really helping them manage the issue, trying to protect the brand. Um, Clients basically pay us to make these issues go away as rapidly as possible. So that's really the focus in terms of that side of the business. And lastly, it's about um, helping clients learn how to be better and stronger communicators So when they're facing a crisis, they're actually at their best. So we like to say, on your worst day, we want to make sure you perform at your best. And that's what we're trying to do. So, Brian, in
0: previous conversations that we had leading up to uh, developing an outline for today's uh, episode of the podcast, we talked about the traits that are important in the role that you have and traits that enable you to be successful and good at your work. So let's go through that a little bit of um, your background in journalism has kind of helped you on this path, uh, but get into a little more detail around the traits that enable you to do your job well.
1: Well, Parker, I'll tell you that the career in broadcasting helped a lot. Every day I had the opportunity to talk about a wide variety of issues, so you have to get up to speed very, very quickly. Uh, there's, it's a chaotic kind of business, so you get used to the chaos. You know, As I said, I tell many of my clients, I spent the first 10 years of my life creating crises for clients and the last 25 years fixing them. Um, so you really start to understand how it all works, how, how companies respond, how people respond, how the media is going to respond. So all of that I really learned in the broadcasting space. Um, I think the other thing it gave me was the ability to command an audience. Um, I watched myself present every day for 10 years. And having that opportunity to learn how to command an audience, to learn how to present information and share information in a very compelling fashion was was a tremendous opportunity and tremendous skill. I think the other aspects of the job really are the ability to multi-manage. There's a lot coming at you really fast and to be able to decipher what's important and what's not important. Those are really, really important skills. Um, I think the ability to command the room and be able to speak with authority is really, really important because you're working with CEOs, you're working with COOs, and many of them have certain personalities that you have to learn how to manage and I think that's really where the experience comes into play. This is not a job where you can walk off the street and walk in and suddenly play the role. Um, It does take some experience in terms of learning how to manage people because you're really trying to move them in a direction where they feel confident but at the same time trying to protect the brand and there are times when sometimes those don't align and you're really trying to make sure that you can lead people to where they need to go And, and that's a skill set that's really, really important. And you have to bring to the table a a sense of confidence
0: in in your ability to be the guide, right? Mm -hmm. So as you're talking with people, they have to see in you what they're looking for in order to be confident that Brian's the right guy to help me with this. They're looking for something in you that says, okay, I'm comfortable. I realize Brian knows what he's talking about. I may not like what he's telling me, (laughs) but I, I get that he understands what what needs to be done, and I need to listen to him. So being able to uh, command the room and have that confidence, I think, is what you were getting at, uh, so that people trust that you're the right guide for this sort of thing.
1: It also gets to uh, making sure you know what you're talking about at the end of the day. I mean, I've, I've tried to become a student of, of this world and this space and really trying to see how things are responding and and watching how the media is responding to certain stories. How long does a story last? Um, how does certain audiences respond to certain kinds of communication in the midst of chaos? So I've really tried to become a student so I really understand what they're going to experience and what they're gonna see. I find if, if people know what's going to happen they're much better able to manage the situation. So that's really the information I'm trying to give them. If you tell your employees this, here's the response you're going to see, here are the questions they're going to ask, and here's what you have to watch out for, those traps where people make mistakes. And if they understand that and you give them that guidance, most of them will perform very well.
0: Right. And the preparation, uh, you even go into rehearsing this stuff, right? You you get the questions, and you get people to write down the answers or rehearse the answers so that they're not fumbling this when the bad things happen. They, they're they ready. Absolutely. Yeah. So get that rehearsal in. Get those things written out or thought out and approved. Another point you've made is sometimes these statements, somebody may not be sure whether they can say it or not. Absolutely. So the approvals need to be in place. So the people who are uh, putting the information out or interacting with the reporters or whoever and however they're delivering it know what is an approved statement and and is ready to go within minutes, right? You've made the comment that things happen and you've got to respond within minutes or hours.
1: Well, it's it's a different space today. It's very, very different. And this is the reason why companies need to get ready today versus perhaps prior years. Um, You know, when I first started doing this, you might have a nice – you know, four, five, six, seven hour window when you can kind of get your act together before you really have to face anybody. But today with the internet and social media, that that time span has really dropped basically down to an hour. Uh, If you're not out there in the first hour shaping what's going on uh, and and in a fashion that ultimately helps you tell your story, um, then you're constantly playing defense, constantly trying to change perception that's already been established. And that's the hard part for companies to understand. Perceptions are formed quickly. And if you have a negative perception right out of the gate, it's very, very difficult to start to change what that perception is. And you can't do that until you start communicating. Well, if you go in the bunker for the first two, three, four hours, there are people out there talking. And today with the internet, it's reaching a lot of people very, very quickly. So what we're really trying to help people understand is, you know the risks, you know the threats, you know what could go wrong. We can go ahead and create what you're going to say now in the calm, So that in the storm, you can take that work you've already done and now just apply it. And, and it works. I've, I've seen it work over and over and over again.
0: All of this sounds very obvious and logical and common sense kind of reasoning here, but how do you get the clients to really pay attention to this, they're busy people, they've got stuff going on, how do you get them to prepare for something that they don't
1: know when it's actually gonna happen? I, I think it's a it's a very interesting conversation. And I can tell you here, here's basically how I, I handle that. I get the top people in the room, CEO, CFO, CMO, all the top people. And I remind them a crisis handled poorly basically means that you're going to get fired. A crisis handled well becomes the highlight of your career. Which one do you want it to be? This is your call. This is where do you want to land in this situation? Because I could give you a long list of CEOs that are no longer around. The head of Uber, the head of Chipotle, the head of BP, they're long gone because they didn't manage the issue well. And if you help CEOs, particularly CEOs, understand that that point, they become much more engaged in making sure that their people are ready to manage these kinds of situations.
0: And we've talked about this uh, before we came in today about the court of public opinion and the court of law. And so some people are kind of stressing out over you know, being a little too transparent and that coming back to bite them in the court of law. And you let the, the lawyers handle the court of law. You're on the court of public opinion more, although you have some experience from watching things play out in the court of law. I'm going to turn it back over to you to
1: to talk about those two things: the court of public opinion and the court of law. It, it those are really important distinctions when you go into any single crisis. I I work very very closely with a lot of lawyers. I've spent a lot of time in courtrooms as a journalist, and and obviously on this side of the business. And I respect the, that, that court of law very, very much and recognize the dynamics of that court that are important to recognize. But there's also this court of public opinion. Um, and lawyers many times are not as trained in the court of public opinion as they probably need to be. And, and that's an important piece because you have to recognize that a business is about a relationship with a customer base. And that relationship is really in the court of public opinion, their opinion about that brand. And it's very, very possible to protect yourself in a court of law and hurt yourself in the court of public opinion and kill the business. You don't have customers anymore. They don't want to go to your stores. They don't want to go to your restaurants because they don't trust you. They don't believe in you. And you've been doing that to protect yourselves in the court of law. The challenge for the CEO, and this is really their call, is what's that fine line that I'm going to tow? How do I make sure that I'm paying attention to both courts? Many times there's this great conflict that exists and the CEO has to decide where do we want to go? And I think today particularly in our society there's this sense of everybody has to rush. They got to get something out in the court of, you know, court of public opinion. Go quick 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 quick. And then the people have to backtrail and wonder why you got it wrong. And that's that balance that you have to try and find. Making sure that you're doing it factually correct but in a fashion that helps feed that need that exists out there in the community. And, and I think what people don't recognize is if you really look back and you watch it and you watch how it works, there is a methodology that you can apply, particularly in social, that can help you feed the beast that need for them to have that conversation while at the same time protect the company in the court of law. So that's the balance that we're trying to help CEOs find is how do you find that line that works very, very well for you that also manages this court of public opinion so you don't destroy the business before you even get into court of law? The truth is this. The court of public opinion happens now, and you're guilty until proven innocent. The court of law happens two to three five years down the road, and you're innocent until proven guilty. So I'm guilty for five years if I just play the court of public or court of law. So that's a really fine balance CEOs have to find.
0: And, Brian, you gave me an example of a local company here that uh, it was a good example. and I'd like you to elaborate on that example for the audience.
1: Well, it, it's a case involving a, a local company. They're in the automotive business. Um, and they were basically approached by one of the nightly news magazine programs. And basically challenging their fundamental brand position, which is authenticity being real for people and and being transformative in the industry. And they were really being attacked from a brand perspective. And it was really important to recognize that they were hearing from people who had purchased vehicles and and many of them were used vehicles. Um, And, you know, people had, cars had broken, They're, they're used vehicles. And there were a lot of complaints that existed, which got to the fundamental purpose of who they were. And we came up with a strategy that really learned to leverage digital strategies and digital programs to really help us shape that story. And, and what people don't recognize is today, an average journalist story is going to run a minute and a half on a nightly newscast and 15 minutes in a network news program. I can talk to somebody for days and share our story if I understand how to engage them and how to keep them engaged and what I'm really talking about so they get a richer story. And that's really what our job is. Our job is to help people see the issue from the client's point of view, from the client's perspective. Um, I, I tell a lot of students that I work with at VCU, I would be a far better journalist today than I ever was when I was an actual journalist because I have a much richer understanding of everything you see. When you watch a newscast about a breaking issue, a breaking topic, trust me, you're seeing maybe 10% of the true story. So my job is to help people see more of that story, to help them understand the dynamics that exist. And in this case, with this company, we were able to take allegations from the newscast, help people see the rest of the story that was never covered in the newscast because they don't have the time to cover it, and help them understand, well, it's not exactly the way it was portrayed, and ultimately help the story, instead of being a 10-day or 15- or 20-day story, become a one-day story. And that, to us, is what we call success.
0: Right. So when you say from multi-days down to one day, you're talking about reducing the chatter that's negative down to people quickly understanding what the story is, as opposed to speculation going on and on and on.
1: Yeah. you'll, You'll still see some speculation, but it doesn't feed itself. And that's really what you're trying to stop is the feeding frenzy that happens. So one person kicks out one piece of information and 10 people feed that information and they feed it to more people and feed it to more people. That's what you're trying to stop. And if we can share accurate information, most people will say, okay, I'm not going to feed that to anybody. I'm I'm satisfied, I'm happy. Uh, Most people don't share positive stuff when you get into these situations. It's the negative stuff that they tend to share. And that's basically what we're trying to help them understand. It isn't exactly what you thought it was. Here are the real facts, and here's what you need to understand. And many, many times, if you can help them see it from that perspective, they'll basically calm things down, and the story will go away.
0: An important point that you made was the information that you can put out to help people understand the the perspective from the client and the perspective of more information, more details. And that's really important now with the uh, social media lack of filtering. We used to have journalistic standards and now all kinds of stuff goes
1: out on social media. So I'd like you to talk about that a little bit. I, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that that companies face is it's very it's very simple for people to make allegations with no data to support it. And unfortunately we're seeing it even at the highest levels of our government we see those kinds of that kind of behavior. Um, and it makes it very, very challenging for companies, which gets back to the importance to be ready so fast. In other words, you you hit the nail on the head. You know, when I was a journalist, I had to go through two or three people for my story to get on air, and today anybody can get online and say any kind of statement you want and feed that beast that needs to be fed. So the the need to be out there quickly with accurate information and get it into those channels, into those digital platforms, like we talked earlier about you know, Facebook and, and Twitter, those being the two primary channels that are used today. How do I engage those audience in a fashion that then can drive them to a website where we can share more accurate information of what's going on and make it entertaining enough that they'll actually spend time getting smarter on an issue and on a topic. And that's one of the strategies that we use in recognizing that it's first and foremost played out in the digital space. And how can I learn to use digital to my advantage to help manage some of these kinds of situations? Many organizations look at digital and it scares them to death. They don't know how to use it. They, they all I see is the negative. They don't understand. It also creates opportunities. And if you understand how to use those channels and really leverage them to help you tell your story, they can be highly effective. Brian,
0: one aspect of this that I think we've already talked about, but I want to come back to, is how important it is to practice this and recognize that things are going to happen quickly and you've got to be ready for that. You can't just uh, think that you've got a plan and not be tested in how this is going to play out. And it makes me think of stories of Tiger Woods when he was a young golfer and how his dad used to try to distract him and he had to focus and tune out people who are doing things that right when he's trying to swing, they're trying to distract him. Talk about that of, of you've got to actually practice this stuff.
1: There's no, no doubt about that. I, I think the, the biggest challenge that, that people in the midst of crisis face is, is all that stimuli that's coming at you, the chaos, the emotion that exists in these situations, um, all the pieces of information coming at you fast, people asking a lot of questions that you don't have the answers to. That stimuli is very, very challenging for people, and they get paralyzed. That's what happens. I think what Tiger's dad was trying to do is understand the mental toughness necessary to play the game of golf, and the same is true in issues management. It's learning how to be able to get that out of your head and focus on the action that needs to actually take place. Um, I recently did some work with a client, and, and our first drill was a mess. They were, they were all over the place, they didn't know what they were doing, a thousand people asking a lot of questions, it, it was just a mess. It took us about eight drills in a single year for them to get to the point where it was almost mechanical. They didn't have to think about what they were doing. They knew what to do, and it was just behavior. And that's the mode you need to get into when you're really dealing with major issues and where you can almost tune out some of that stimuli, let the important pieces in, but let the stuff that's really not that critical right now Kind of bounce off of you so you can really stay focused on what you're doing so recognize that that in most crisis situations it's a team it's not one person it's it's a team of you know seven to 15 people depending on the size of your organization and that team needs to function that way and making sure that everybody's clear on what their job is everybody understands what they're supposed to do and a plan will give you some guidance on that but until you get in there and actually execute and actually do the work you'll never get there and my client went from taking hours to get a simple news release out the door to being able to communicate in 15 minutes. And that's the value of practice. Brian, you've given
0: a lot of great insight to us today uh, as we're going to get to the end here. Is there any advice you'd like to give to people who are considering doing this kind of PR work?
1: Number one is you you have to like chaos. You, you have to be willing to embrace that space and embrace that world. Uh, where you're okay with, with a very, very fluid situation. I think that's really, really important. Um, but it's really exciting work. You know, I work on a wide variety of categories, a wide variety of industries. It changes on a regular basis. Um, so it's constantly challenging you, and the space is changing so fast that it's really, really exciting in terms of what's going on out there uh, in the crisis space. I, I think the, the the important piece of advice I would give people is it – don't think of it as a lifelong career, perhaps, because it's easy to burn out. You know, they, these are some really intense issues. Um, and you need a little bit of variety. You know what I mean? So, you know, do it for a little while. Bounce out into some other areas. Kind of get some broader experience. But you have to be willing to be a learner. By that, I mean you've got to be curious. You've you got to be curious about the industry. You've got to be curious about the business you're, you're talking about. Because you will get in situations where that knowledge is going to be critical. And if you're not curious about how their business works and how they function and how they operate and everything else, you more than likely won't be a very good crisis counselor because when it, when it really hits you, you're not gonna know the answer. So that's one of the things that I've tried to be, as I mentioned earlier, a student of crisis management. Everyone on our team at Padilla, uh, the two primary guys that do this, we're former journalists. We grew up in this space and we really love this space in terms of what we do. Um, and we have a real rich understanding Of of what's going to happen around our clients, and we're able to help them in that perspective. Um, But it's not a job for everybody. Some people like it. Uh, Everybody says it sounds sexy uh, until they get that call on Christmas Eve, and you got to leave your family. Uh, That's when the sexiness goes away.
0: Thank you for those pieces of insight. Thank you for the advice. I appreciate the outline here of how to prepare for this, how to think about what's going to happen, identify the issues, get prepared, practice, all that advice you went through today I think is excellent advice, and I appreciate you coming in today to share that with us. Um, We've reached the end, so I've got to wrap this up. To our audience, you have been listening to the Agency Work Podcast. My guest today has been Brian Ellis from Padilla. To learn more about Padilla, go online to padillaco.com. And this is something I've got to spell out for you, P-A-D-I-L-L-A-C-O.com. So that's their website. You can learn more about the company there. Thank you, Brian. Glad to be here. And to our audience, thank you for listening. Brian is my last guest for Season 2. I will be back next week with a review of all of the episodes of Season 2. And I will have a few friends joining me in the podcast studio for that discussion. It's going to be a fun and lively discussion, and I hope you will tune into that episode. This podcast was recorded at Red Amp Audio in Richmond, Virginia. This is Agency Works signing off.